0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me
1: son gonna play in the yard. Papa said gonna play. You gotta break your stomach.
2: Welcome to it. Welcome to Inside the Yard, our final episode for the 2021 season, which is now in the rearview mirror, Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. And coming up on today's program, Orioles Executive Vice President Mike Elias and then Masson's Rakubako talking about the offseason ahead for the Orioles. But right now, Jeff, this season has come to a close. It has been a run Uh, that started for the team and for everyone associated with it back in February uh, through spring training in March. And again, it started with uncertainty based on the pandemic and just the reality. I think it has to be addressed again because now we almost take it for granted. We didn't know what would happen. We had a shortened 60 game season with no fans in 2020 and we played baseball start to finish with fans. And honestly, uh, I think any one of us would have signed up for that in blood uh, starting March 1st. So that is a wonderful development. Every game was played. Every game was played on time. And uh, season complete for the Orioles.
3: Yeah, I think when you and I got here last year, we had about a month of normal. And it was down in Sarasota. And it was certainly enjoyable to kind of just see the the build up to a season. And then uh, COVID hits. And it was a really bizarre year, um, one that – like you said, I think we'd have signed up in blood just to have fans back and to feel a sense of normalcy in the ballpark. And I think as we moved along throughout the year, it began to feel more and more normal, starting when the fans started to come back to Camden Yards and you know all the different you know capacity restrictions were lifted and things like that. So I thought that was really great um, that, that we were able to have that this year. It was a season where the individual achievements were, were certainly there for a lot of players with Cedric Mullins putting the first 30-30 season together. Ryan Malcastle putting up an American League Rookie of the Year caliber campaign, even when he didn't have a great April. Of course, the return of Trey Mancini was huge. John Means has another fine season. So there were a lot of really good individual stories in there. You had some guys reach the major leagues for the first time. You, you, saw, some, you saw some of the good, and then you saw some of the reminders of what adjusting to major league life is like, especially in the American League East. And so the, it was a mixed bag. It was a little bit of everything. Um, but the, the individual stories, especially the story of Cedric Mullins, um, who took baseball by storm, uh, those are the things to me that are going to stand out about this year.
2: Yeah. Mullins, the MVO, but if the orders were a 500 club, he might be getting close to the MVP conversation. That's how good of a season Cedric Mullins had. You touched on it. You throw in maybe Tyler Wells and Ramon Urias, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of good developments. And then, you know, big picture and we have Mike Elias joining us coming up, you know, When you lose this many games, it's hard to say this, but the reality is if you were to told anyone probably with the Orioles that you would have that season for Mountcastle and Mullins and Means and even Wells, and your top minor league prospects would produce that way, given where this thing is in the so-called rebuild, you probably would have signed up for that as well. So the question is what is next for the Orioles as this offseason comes and it's coming in hot. And right now let's get it going with Orioles executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias. But first, Orioles fans, get the ultimate fan experience with a Birdland membership. Take your game day to the next level with access to the best seats at Camden Yards, plus receive unparalleled benefits, including a flexible ticket exchange policy, discounts on concession and merchandise, up to 30% off, Birdland rewards, and more. With six plan options, you can choose the membership that's right for you. Learn more at orioles.com slash membership. right now is Orioles Executive Vice President and General Manager Mike Elias as the Orioles season has come to an end in 2021. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Hey guys, how are you? Doing well. So I'm curious about process for your front office as the season comes to an end and in the first few weeks, even during I guess the start of the MLB postseason, what are you guys doing now as far as looking towards the offseason. or, I mean, I go on my phone and I check out who's available in free agency or what teams are whispering players that might be available via trade. How does it work for you guys in reality? Um, it's extremely
1: hectic every year. And I, I think we're all looking forward to this off season in particular, because it's going to be hopefully a little much more normal than last year's last year, because of COVID, it was like this time last year, we're sort of waking up. Every morning and seeing what the day's news is and just kind of trying to hold things together, um, not knowing whether it's going to be a season and and a lot of uncertainty. Um, This year is much more normal. um, And while um, preparing for player market moves is a huge part of the offseason, an even busier part is on the H.R. front for any baseball operations department. You're uh, filling out staffs, minor league staffs. Um, handling your own people and oftentimes um, you will get calls from other organizations who want to interview uh, your employees and it's just a lot and juggling it all is is a huge huge part of any offseason nowadays but when it comes to players we've had several meetings um, identifying players that seem like they might be fits um, whether those are trade targets or uh, free agent targets And then, uh, you know, once we've identified those players, we're kind of following up with with legwork now um, in terms of knowing everything that we want to know about these guys prior to the offseason, really starting in earnest after the World Series is over.
3: You mentioned this in terms of Brandon Hyde before, but in general, how does the evaluation of a major league coaching staff work when you know you're in a rebuild and when looking at wins and losses? Probably isn't gonna gonna be the best barometer for how they're doing.
1: Yeah, we have a little bit of a proxy for that, that in the minors. Like you know, we are prioritizing player development uh, in the minors um, over over winning uh, games in low A or whatever. I mean, you know, so so we kind of have that to look at, and and there are ways of evaluating minor league coaches um, based on the the development of the players, the environment that is created. Um, obviously the major league job is, is a lot more complicated and you're in the, uh, the fishbowl of the major leagues. Um, and there's a component to media relations and working with the front office um, that's way above and beyond anything the minor league coaches have to deal with. Um, and, and that's all part of it too. But, you know, these are categories of things that we work that we can observe and, and um, you know, evaluate our coaching staff on and how they're fitting our needs and our Plans and our, our future plans, um, without just looking at the record or the results or um, somebody's ERA or something like that. You know, we it, it, it's hard to be um, overly objective in that regard. There's too many factors, um, that, that go into what
2: makes a good coach, Mike. This is a two part question. You know, to me, there's a lot of lessons from Cedric Mullins that, in general we like to label people and players really quickly and we like to make a determination. And it's very easy for fans and media to do that. But if you're the executive in any, in any front office in any sport who actually has to do it, and then you're making a decision, whether that guy is what he is, maybe we can trade him, maybe we can release him. And then that player could come back and one day be something way better than what you said goodbye to. Is that the worst feeling for a professional front office executive to get rid of someone too quickly before they've matured and reach the development?
1: Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's going to happen too. those, you know, because of the way the 40 man roster structured and the rules, you just cannot just keep out every interesting fringe young player that you have and, and, and ride it out. So you do have to make uh, decisions. And in Cedric's case, we made the decision to stick with them um, and kept them, uh, at that, that 2019 offseason sent him to a swing coach and um, you know put a lot of work in him because of the history that he had in the minors and what we saw um, and it's been a good outcome um, but it is very much a lesson um, a reminder like you said that it usually takes players um, a couple of years to settle into um, good big league play um, and the the early impressions that they make in the major leagues are, are very often very far from the end results and I mean uh, it's a smaller example than um, Cedric provided but I think you look at uh, Ramon Urias with us this year a little on a smaller scale a little bit similar I mean he came up uh, you know didn't do a whole lot we sent him down and played okay in A, and some injuries happened and he came up again and he had more confidence and it was a another go around and, and he settled in and, um, you know, we had some underlying indications and analytical um, tools that, that um, said this guy's interesting. Um, And it just took a while for it to really start showing in in the majors. So we do the best we can, especially in a rebuild to exhaust these opportunities, but it is not easy with the way that the roster rules are set up to, to see everybody to the end. And you're invariably going to, going to um, pass off some guys that have blossom elsewhere. And then sometimes the change of scenery in and of itself does something to them. Um, and, you know, we just want to, by and large, do well in this department, but you're not going to, not going to get it. Perfect.
3: When you speak of roster rules, you want probably as many guys as you possibly can evaluate at the major league level, just to see what everyone has. You know, as the CBA comes up, how many people do you think should be on a major league roster to account for the fact that it is a 162 game season, also to account for the fact that you want to do some evaluating yourself?
1: Well, I think the 26 number has been fine. Uh, It depends what they want to do with the the game itself. I I think there's been some talk about limiting the number of pitchers um, so that there's more um, emphasis put on, on long guys and less ability to just bring in kind of, fire-breathing relievers for a couple inning or two and, and bring in a new one and then option them. And, um, you know, strategies that we've seen been very successful for playoff teams uh, the last few years. Um, so that's not really my place to speak to whether or not we, we should be doing that or wanting to do that. But I think that they need, um, before they decide on what's the right roster size in this CBA, I think they need to think about, you know, what it first and foremost, the style of play that we're going for. And then, and then tailor the size of the roster to that.
2: Without commenting on any negotiations, obviously that you wouldn't even be privy to what's your anticipation for November, as far as free agency trades, do you expect it to be very quiet until a deal is done between clubs and players? Yeah, I
1: just think it's going to
2: have to be, um, be,
1: and not because of the labor uncertainty, more so the, the, regulatory uncertainty, the rules might change. Uh, and until you see all that, it's really hard to be overly active. And really, you're just waiting a month, hopefully, um, from the end of the World Series to the new CBA. So I, I have to assume that people are going to um, be uh, a little bit
3: slow. When it comes to evaluating who you might protect in from the Rule 5 draft this year, how does that... Process Go have you kind of already started to figure out the guys that you want to protect from that, or is that going to be one of those conversations you're going to have in these coming weeks?
1: Yeah, there, there's always a group of players that uh, in a vacuum, in a perfect world, you want to protect within reason. And you know, that number is uh, always larger than the number that you end up actually protecting when you sit down, look at your overall 40 man roster and, um, who we want to keep from the current team all winter, how many spots we're going to need for free agents and waiver claims and our own rule five pick and so on. And that usually kind of scrunches down your your rule five protect number from just in a perfect world, we should protect these guys. Like you're rarely able to, to do all the ones that you want and you have to make some strategic decisions. You have to remember and remind yourself that you're not just protecting against them getting selected in the draft, it's sticking um, and so you take some calculated risks, leaving, leaving players off, um, and, and, um, you, you hope, hope you do well with your, your decision-making there.
2: The, the balance that you're trying to find between adding some veterans, and you've said this starting rotation, bullpen, uh, probably in the infield somewhere and not blocking prospects. Tell me about that equation.
1: Well, you know, it's been, I think, most visible in our outfield the last couple of years where we've had uh, a lot of internal players that that need to play um, Santander, Mullins, Hayes. um, But we have not had um, a lot of internal infielders um, the last couple of years. That's about to start changing, thankfully. Um, But we've been able to go outside um, and use the waiver wire and the free agent market to pick up some infielders just knowing we really didn't have um, you know a lot of internal prospects that, that needed that couple year runway that, that Cedric Mullins um, showed was helpful um, and um, so the, you know I think that's the first part of the equation is seeing what you have coming and, and, and who you want to, to earmark a lot of playing time for. Um, and, um, you know, we've done that on the pitching side and those guys have taken their lumps this year, uh, but they got a lot of good experience. And a couple of years ago, we were able to discover a, a John means type of player internally, um, with, with that approach, but it also has its, uh, wear and tear on, on our pitching too. And, and, you know, you, you, you bring in some, some outside help so that, so that all those innings are not going to your young guys. Um, and we'll, we'll certainly be looking, looking to do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's very tough in our division to um, have enough pitching. And, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a long year for a lot of our, our young guys, but they stayed healthy and, uh, or ended the year healthy and, and
3: um, got a lot of good experience. You've certainly built up your farm system. You know, it's at the very top right now. When do you feel like you get to the point when you're ready to use pieces of your farm system to make trades and then better help out your major league roster?
1: I think uh, when we get within arm's reach of a, of a good playoff odds um, for the upcoming season, I think we would very much um, start to look at, uh, at expending prospect capital from the farm system to bring in major league help. And, um, You never know that 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 can happen next year. You can you can have a lot of good fortune and and good developments and pop. Um, But we we make internal projections with our current roster of, you know, where we're expecting to be next year. And um, you wouldn't want to trade a bunch of prospects for a a hope and a prayer at the playoffs, Um, but more so a good probability and a a good step forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that that season's coming very, very soon. And we'll be um, sure to identify it when we're in that position.
2: Mike, you mentioned young pitchers taking their lumps, which is to be expected, especially in the American league East, but Dean Kramer, after flashing a lot at the end of 2020, someone who once led all minor league pitchers and strikeouts had a really rough year. Where, where does someone like Dean go from here? And how does the organization look at Kramer and, and then try and help him move forward?
1: We like him and he's uh, uh, very much in our future plans. He's got a starters pitchers mix. He's got a good delivery. Uh, he he's had some very good starts in the majors. He's had some very rough starts in the majors. He's still learning a lot about using his pitch mix, and I think being um, trustworthy, trusting of his stuff, and, and attacking and not nibbling with it, um, which we saw him do a lot this year. And he's been working on that, and he he knows that. But uh, I guess what I'm pointing out is. Um, but pitchers like him, it is just, it's, it's more common than not that their first go around in the majors looks like this. And, um, you know, we were playing Boston and for example, Nick Pavetta, who's been soft for them this season, you look at his stats the last couple of years um, he had a rough time in the big leagues, but he's starting to figure it out. And there were some underlying indicators that it was going to happen with, with his strikeout numbers and his, walk totals and his minor league numbers and Dean Kramer's got all of that going for him as well so I think he has a bright future we're going to keep working with him
3: I think these guys uh, will continue to get better sticking with kind of the young pitching but at the major league level with Tanner Scott and Dylan Tate two guys with undeniable stuff they've had their moments this year where they've been really good but they've also continued to take their lumps at times as well how do those two, with all the stuff that they have and all the promise that they have, find a way to take the next step?
1: Yeah, well, in Tanner's case, it has been 100% about uh, command and control. It's always been you know, something that he has uh, been in very inconsistent with. Um, his, his stuff is as good as it comes, um, but he has um, not thrown strikes on a consistent basis Um, and if he did, he would be absolutely dominant. Um, so I think he's doing work to simplify aspects of his delivery and his pre-pitch approach. And, um, hopefully it clicks. He had some, uh, health bad luck second half of the year with a knee sprain. Um, and that was hampering him. Um, and I hope he's going to get that behind him and, and come in strong and, um, Dylan Tate's been a, a, a little different, but there's a similar theme in the command. Um, you know, he, he, he can spray his fastball around at times. Um, execution of the slider can be inconsistent. His changeup is really his go-to best pitch, but I think if he gets more consistent with spotting his fastball and, and, and hitting his good slider upon release, um, we're going to see a very quality, um, setup type guy. He, he, I think, he's very viable in today's game. In um, the sinker that he has, his ability to generate ground balls and kind of come in and get a double play ball for you. Um, but he has to cut down on
2: walks. Last one, Mike. I want to ask you about Heston Kirsten. I know you have touched on this. Great sign that Heston. We saw video taking batting practice in Sarasota. What is he doing day to day right now? And I know you mentioned in the media scrum that you're hoping he's playing affiliated baseball, but next year, but what, what does his outlook look like in near term and towards this off season? He's
1: uh, in Sarasota working out on the field every day, batting practice throwing. Um, He has not begun to face live pitching and game situations, but that's coming very soon. And we're having a, a fall program in Sarasota that starts in the middle, late part of October. And we'll have some simulated game action and uh, he'll be a part of that. So um, it's been an awful year uh, for him and, and he's lost a lot of time. And this is something that, you know, you wouldn't wish on, on anyone. And it's scary to have um, the heart, heart stuff. Um, but we're really hopeful that he's through it and he's um, in great spirits and, and his physical condition gets better and better every day in terms of his strength and regaining his uh, his physical bearings and, um, he's looked good swinging the bat in, vp BP so far. So that's been a really nice development here in the last couple of months. Um, and the rest of that draft class is doing well by and large. So getting him back as the, you know, our very top pick in that class, um,
2: would be enormous. And I think really tie, uh, tie that whole class together. We'll end on that very happy note. Mike Elias, we appreciate it so much. Thank you.
1: Thanks, guys. Nice to be here.
2: Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play. You gotta bring your stomach You going scream real hard. Go play in the
1: yard. Woo! Go play in the yard. You gotta bring
2: your stom. All right, with us right now for our insider segment, the ultimate insider from MastinSports.com, Mr. Rock Kubako. Rock, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure.
0: One more time.
2: One more time before the season ends. One more time. Then you won't have to deal with us for a while. I'll miss you guys. I know it. (laughs) So Mike Elias in his parting media scrum, what was your biggest takeaway? Uh, That he predicted World Series in 2022. No,
0: he did not do that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, I th- I think it was mostly stuff we should be able to figure out. I mean, obviously, pitching is the top priority, which we already knew. And they're not going to be big spenders in free agency, which we already knew. So I don't think there was a lot of, of news there. Uh, you know, obviously, they have to uh, improve the rotation without acting like they're giving up on their young prospects. They're still high on a lot of these guys, but you need to supplement that with a couple veterans they want to bring into camp. Uh, but he just doesn't feel like... You can tell, if you, especially if you read between the lines, that it's time right now to start spending bigger in free agency. He, he said that when, we are, when the time is right, they have the green light from ownership to do that, but the time really isn't there yet coming into 2022. So I think they're going to still look for some veterans that, you know, if it is minor league deals, maybe they get somebody on a one-year major league deal and an option. But uh, it's going to be to, to create competition in camp like they did this past spring, with the Matt Harvey types, I don't know if we'll get another reclamation Felix Hernandez type project, but you know, but they are focused on the pitching. And also, he kind of stopped short of saying, "Oh yeah, Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez could break camp with the team." I think some people ran with some comments he made on Masson, uh, and he emphasized, "Look, they will be in Major League camp, which therefore means you have that chance to do that, uh, especially with Rodriguez not pitching at all Triple A." He said. It's not like you absolutely have to do that, but he did point out that he has it and that Rutchman has a limited number of, of games in AAA. So people that were really getting their hopes up of seeing them on the opening day roster might want to temper their enthusiasm just a little bit.
3: How many relief pitchers do you need to you think go out and get that could be some veterans, you know, some guys that have pitched in the big leagues before to help stabilize things out of the bullpen? Because you know, as we know, there were some times where, where things were were pretty tough when you were just going with the you know, guys who don't have really much in the way of major league experience and uh, who were those guys, like you said, that came in on those minor league deals.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be a process where you have to sort through who you have now, and they've run a lot of guys through that bullpen and say, okay, who are the real keepers here? Who guys we at least want to bring to camp next spring and take a more extended look at them beyond the obvious ones. You know, the Tyler Wells, the Cole Salser is that type. I assume – Paul Fry, Tanner Scott, give him an, another shot here. It's uh, kind of surprising we haven't seen Fry come back. Uh, his confidence was really shaken when he was struggling up here and down below. But I think you pick out those few guys and that it's pretty wide open. And I feel like that they're going to have to look at uh, certainly a couple guys, some veterans that maybe can can help them in middle relief, can cover some innings for them because where the games are really getting away from them as opposed to just – cycling in a lot of six-year minor league free agent types they may have to go out and and check the the major league free agent market and see if they can get some guys who can give them innings bulk guys whatever and then obviously you're always looking at there's somebody back into the bullpen type like you know like they brought in fernando abad this past winter somebody else like that another veteran of course you got to talk these pitchers into pitching at camden yards for a team that's in a rebuild that's not a you know that's bring a lot of appeal clearly but you know, there are bounce-back guys out there, and if you give them the better deal and there's an opportunity that they may not have somebody else, then they'll come here. But the bullpen really does have to be addressed. I think it's you're going to be seeing multiple guys brought in, but also they need to figure out what they're going to do with a few others. Is Mike Bauman, they still look at him as developing him as a starter, but do they go into camp saying, hey, if he isn't, if he doesn't make the rotation, he is, could be a bullpen guy for us, or do we want him starting every five days at AAA? Uh, you know, Jorge Lopez, who we assume will be tenor to contract, uh, there's value there. I know other clubs really like him. Uh, is he now going to be a reliever and is he one of those power arms? They really need multiple any guy, uh, that that's been lacking for them. Uh, you know, if that's his role, then at least you could go ahead and check off that box. But, uh, to answer your question, they're going to bring in multiple bullpen guys. I feel like it's going to be, you know, some middle relief
2: types and some back end of the bullpen guys. So let's assume there's veterans that added rotation and bullpen in, in some way, shape or form this offseason. Lowther, Wells, Zimmerman, Kramer, and I guess you can throw him Bauman. He never made a start for the Orioles, but kind of in that group of prospects as far as age. Is it open season for them? As you see it in spring training, everyone gets starts. Everyone's going to piggyback. And the hope is maybe a couple fill out rotation spots, maybe a couple fill out bullpen spots.
0: Yeah, I think so. And again, that's where it's going to be interesting where they have to decide, okay, because they're not all going to make the rotation. So which guys don't? Do we want them starting every five days in AAA and keep them in that starter schedule? They'll all be stretched out, obviously. Or do you say, okay, you know, this guy can be, you know, a bullpen guy for us? And, you know, like you know, you see a Thomas Eshelman type, that's somebody you carry that can give you multiple innings out of the pen and serve a purpose and also kind of, you know, that the old Oriole way that we talk about where a lot of starters did begin their careers. In their bullpen and you kind of cut your teeth there and then you transition in rotation later so they're gonna have to make that decision of what of what's best for guys like that like let's say a zach loud doesn't make the rotation or an alexander wells is it really benefit him and is he, is it helpful to the player and the team to change their role and have him in relief or do you say look we need you just go down there pitch every five days and then uh, when we have another need in the rotation, we'll bring you up later. They're gonna have to figure that out. But certainly, a guy like Keegan Aiken has positioned himself a lot better. He's finished strong. You know, Bruce Zimmerman, after missing that time with injuries, he's mostly impressive this year when he was healthy. Uh, so I, certainly, he's gonna. And I believe he broke camp. It seems like it was a long time ago. I think he was a number three starter, wasn't he, when he broke camp? So you know, obviously, they think highly of him. So I feel like depending on what guys they bring in. Uh, He certainly has to be one of the favorites at this point. And, you know, they'll give Kramer another shot, but they're going to have to figure out which guys they uh, want to just have started every five days and which ones uh, they feel like, hey, it won't hurt their development if they have to work in the bullpen and and not be on a regular schedule.
3: Trey Mancini, did what we were all kind of hoping he was going to be able to do. I mean, the amount of games that he played, the productivity that he put up, it was a streaky year from him, but probably understandably so, given that he missed all of last year. What do you think the plan is for Trey in 2022?
0: Uh, the team's got to figure out. I feel like I'm saying it a lot. They have to decide something. There's a lot of work to do in this offseason. Uh, they've got to figure out whether he's a guy that they will be more open to moving if the right offer comes along. And they'll listen on everybody. But also, do they – want to go ahead and, and start, if they haven't already, start extension talks. Because even though a rebuilding club doesn't normally do that, uh, Michael Eyes has indicated that the club would certainly be open to to that. I mean, they could go in a couple different directions with him. I mean, his trade value, you know, now he's going to be a rental. He's got one year left arbitration eligibility. So you're not going to get a, a haul for him now at this point. Uh, but you, you could get something useful back if you want, go ahead, you know, and, and really – you know put him on the table and say, all right you know what can we get but there's certainly a, an argument to be made that his value to them and probably more than than to other clubs what he means to them with his leadership his great comeback story and being that bat in the middle of the order run producer that you kind of build around uh and i don't know if it's going to necessarily you know break the bank to keep a trey mancini at Baltimore. he's not going to get you know john stanton money but still for a team that's been, you know, reducing payroll, how much do you want to spend right now on a contract extension when you're not ready to contend yet? So they've got a big decision to make with him. But again, can't stress this enough, and Eli said this, you're not doing your due diligence if you're not listening on guys. And That includes John Means, that includes Anthony Santander, whomever. And are, these are guys that are, you know, going to get raises in arbitration. You have to listen on them. You're, I think, less likely to move and Means Who's your ace starter? And is under team control still for quite a while? Uh, Santander, there was a lot of interest in him, and you're a little deeper in the outfield spot, so you, you could get more for him. And then there's a Mancini, who, again, you know, you'll listen, but I think he's a lot harder guy to move because he's Trey Mancini, and you know, and it's a that's a tough sell on fans. And again, it have to the return would have to really be worth, it. you're just not going to get a lot for him. There will be teams inquiring. But again, rental status, first base, not really even quarter outfield at this point. It's more first base DH. So I don't know what the market would be for him. So they're going to have to decide, do we start contract extension talks here with him, which I think would be a very popular move.
2: Rock, last one. And I don't want to speak for this trio, but I will speak for this trio. I think we all agree we'd like to see a defensive upgrade behind the plate. Now, Adley Rutschman at some point will be with the club in 2022, barring something really unforeseen the question is when and I do remember before the 09 season the Orioles went on and got Greg zon not only to help Matt Wieters but help a pitching staff you know Adley's going to get here he's only played a handful of games in AAA you're going to need some veteran leadership behind the plate do you expect the Orioles to dip into the you know veteran backup catcher market at some point perhaps even the opening day catcher yeah I think they
0: will and that seems to be the tradition anyway they always bring in a catcher though Nick Schufo was kind of was different because he wasn't a veteran guy he had very little experience but normally they do go out and get that kind of a guy whether it's like Nick castillo or uh and i'm going to test my memory a couple of years ago made the opening day roster and then was let go by late april uh veteran catcher like two years ago and we're going to start the clock now yeah I'm I'm yeah you know i mean they had a veteran catcher a couple years ago they broke he was late reporting He'd had, he had Do you know the answer? Work visa issues. No, I'm stalling. Oh, to oh my god! Oh yes, you, you got this. Oh. Veteran guy, and we never saw him again. He went down to Norfolk. Oh I think he actually oh. went home at one point. And they I put really him on the I restricted totally list. We're gonna look this up. Oh my Keep stalling. God. I'm gonna look it up. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, that type of guy, uh, they would go ahead. He may have been with Tampa Bay at one time, by the way. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I'll throw out a name I love right now. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Suzuki's a free agent with the AMS. He's out there caleb joseph would love to come back uh people listening to this podcast are screaming the name of this catcher oh by God. the way that we're blanking on yeah uh, so yeah they will definitely go ahead it, it, it may have been three years ago they will go ahead and bring in a, another Jesus sucre hey sucre ladies and gentlemen Jesus confetti sucre. falling from the ceiling was that two <laughs> or three years ago but anyway that kind 2019. of God. 2019 2019 there you go yes uh, so they will and it's, it's going to be somebody with the understanding that at some point, if not by on opening day, at some point over the summer, you're going to be the backup, Bradley Rutschman, and you're not going to play a lot. And, we, and they're going to be looking for leadership skills and mentor mentoring. Now, how many catchers are going to buy into that and say, yes, I want to come to Baltimore and sit behind this phenom and not play much, depending what stage of your career that you're in uh, you know, so he's, that might be a tough sell for a lot of catchers. Like, well, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to be the guy or even be a backup. who's going to play a lot then, you know, and split the the, the job that I, I could go somewhere else conceivably. So we'll have to see, but definitely they'll bring somebody. And, uh, you know, that, and, and we also should look at Austin wins and say, is he that guy? Could Austin wins who's used to being a backup anyway? I don't know. Does he qualify now as a veteran? He's been around a little while and, and he's been in the game enough that he could mentor, but I don't know whether they look at him that way. Certainly a plus thrower. They like his work behind the plate. Whatever you get offensively is gravy. So maybe it just ends up being a guy like that, or they go out, either way, they go out and bring in somebody else. And whether wins is in the competition, I don't know, but they'll go out and bring a, a, a veteran in. And Rutschman, like I said, you talk to anybody in the game and they're thinking he's ready now. So the Orioles are going to have to, you know, explain if he's not on the opening day roster why he isn't, I'm sure the explanation would be, if that's the case, could use some more at-bats and experience at triple-A, and he'll be up here soon enough. But it seems like he's ready.
2: It <laughs> seems like behind the plate, from both sides of the plate, he feels like he's ready. And, and Rock, will end on this, and I can say this with 100% certainty. If not for reading your blog at maddensports.com, I would have no idea who Jesus Sucre ever was. <laughs>
0: And we have them on the line. Hey, Zeus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rock, we appreciate it all year long. It's been fun uh, being with you at the ballpark. It, much more uh, much more real this year as opposed yes. to what we experienced a year ago. So we'll catch up with you along the way. But thanks for everything. I know the uh, audience and all your readers at Sports.com appreciate your work so much.
0: Thank you. All, and we'll we'll stay in touch in the offseason. There'll be plenty to talk about. There will expect indeed.
3: Expect at least one trip from the dessert car coming in.
2: <laughs>
3: at least one.
1: The Oreo. Everybody loves the Oreo.
2: Hey, the Oreo. Yeah, 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 the Oreo. Yeah, yeah, the Oreo. Everybody
3: loves the Oreo. Earl Bird is back and ready to make a special appearance at your next event. Add some Oreos magic to your birthday celebration, wedding, or corporate party by booking the bird today proceeds benefit the Orioles charitable foundation book your bird appearance today at orioles.com slash bird.
2: All right, Jeff, this is where we close it out inside the yard in 2021. And I guess our takeaway from Mike Elias and and rakubako the big thing that looms and we just have no idea is the CBA situation. That's just a reality. Uh, We have no idea. No one really does right now and we just hope for the best. And once there's some clarity there, then teams can start making some important decisions. But until then, it's going to be really hard. I think we all know what is needed for this roster moving forward.
3: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I mean, you text me every day probably anyways in the offseason. So I'm sure you and I will be discussing this you know, quite a bit as we uh, look and examine everything. I mean, the hope is that both sides are going to be able to figure something out that you're not going to be able that You're not going to miss any spring training or, or anything like that. You know, it will be a process and you know, labor negotiations are what they are. They're, they're never fun in any major league sport. Um, And you're certainly hopeful that, that it's going to get resolved um, as, as quickly and as um, painlessly as possible. Um, But, you know, there is a a business to this and there's a part of that that you you understand too, but yeah, to follow what the Orioles are going to do, you know, in in the off season and, you know, the needs that they have, I mean, it's pretty obvious that you have to go out and you have to get some pitching Um, young starter and young pitching evaluation is, is a good thing and and you need to do it to see what you have. And, you know, Michael has talked about that, you know, no matter how good your evaluations are and, and, you know, bring some guys up and, you know, there's inevitably going to be somebody that gets away and that's the way it is with, with every team. Um, That's just how it works. But, but I also think that you probably need some, some veteran pitching in there too, um, that is going to be able to help these young guys mature a little bit more. It can't just be on Chris Holt and Darren Holmes to be to be captaining that thing. It it really helps to have veterans there that are helpful. And ideally some, somebody or multiple veterans that can eat multiple innings, both out of the rotation. And it could give you quality innings out of the bullpen. And that might be the reason why somebody like a a Dylan Tate or a Tanner Scott um, or another one of your young pitchers is able to take a step forward just because you have some of those veterans there and uh, you can't, look past that a little bit because those types of pitchers who have the experience in the game, they might be able to give a young pitcher the tool or two that they don't have. And that can be the difference in their career and really help with that evaluation process. So, so I think that's going to be really big. And then you'll see who the Orioles protect to in the rule five draft. Um, there's obviously going to be a lot of roster changes over the course of the off season, And you're going to be bringing guys on in your minor league system and seeing where they are. Um, I will be intrigued to see how the CBA impacts the arrivals of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez to the major leagues. And I think we both know they're going to be there. It's just a matter, I think, of when they're going to get there. And Kyle Stowers, I think, will get an opportunity as well. But, um, you know, you're hopeful that, uh, that everything with the CBA is going to go okay. They're going to be playing baseball, um, on time or as close to on time as possible in 2022, because, um, We all know kind of what 2020 was like in terms of waiting for baseball. And I don't think anyone wants to go through that again.
2: Yeah, I would hope everyone understands that. One last point to the question of when we would see Adley and and Grayson. Uh, The reality is, we don't know the rules of the CBA, but there will still be um, a reality of service time one way or another. It may change as far as club control rules. But once Adley's here, I'm not saying the light switch turns on and it's go, 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 but there's a reality to his arrival that organizationally, you don't really have time at that point to, you know, plan for four years from now. I mean, it's on at that point. You have to make the most of that time when you have a prospect of that status, get to your big league club. So a lot of questions. It should be really interesting to see how it plays out. And it's been a lot of fun doing inside the yard with you, Jeff, for a second straight year. We started this really during the pandemic. On Orioles Magic, the podcast, we didn't know what we were getting into, but it's been really fun. I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it. We certainly want to thank our audience, not only on Inside the Yard, but anyone who's listened to us all year on the Orioles Radio Network or watched us on Masson. It's been a fun year. I know wins and losses wise, it's not where fans want it to be, but I think there's been a lot of fun Orioles memories made in the past season and a lot of good times are ahead.
3: I agree with that. And I would also like to thank our great podcast producer, Kara Wagner, who uh, helps us out. And absolutely. And, and Kara is there for us every day. And she answers all our inane questions and helps us with all kinds of stuff. And without her, this thing certainly wouldn't be possible. And we, we love working with her. And she's a big part of why this is so much fun for us. Um, and then also a, a special thanks to, to Kelly Adams, who's our, uh, liaison with the PR department who helps set up a lot of these interviews that we do, um, and assisting us with this process. You know, it, it takes time to be able to set everything up and, and get organized and, and manage all the different schedules of everybody, but she's been great in that respect. So want to really, uh, give a tip of the cap to those two. And, um, thanks to everybody for, for listening and, um, enjoy, uh, enjoy your off season. And, uh, Mr. Hollander. Uh, don't uh, don't text me too yeah, often. Right, right back at you, buddy. I, yeah. Well, I will say that. Do you have any off-season plans? What's what's what are your off-season?
2: I mean, plans? nothing, nothing major. Some some uh, social engagement, some travel, being a dad. Being you're a super.
3: So, you're super social. I'm I'm social myself, but I think that the one thing that I will be doing is I will be using my gym membership to yeah. uh, play for the Thai Fitness uh, to get myself in a little bit of better shape. So that way, I don't eat my way out of the game,
2: and then we're ready to go next. (laughs) I don't think you'll do that, Uh, and we'll be obviously talking and seeing each other along the way. And to our uh, listeners out there, we're, we're always in close contact, so we will talk to you down the road. But thank you so much for joining us this season, inside the yard.